You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 878 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. Coming to you on a Sunday evening into Monday, and thank you as always for joining us on the podcast. Today's show will be a solo edition as I talk about the latest news on the court for the Hawks, as well as some stuff about the COVID protocols across the NBA, the schedule release from over the weekend, and all kinds of details beyond that. Stay tuned for that all coming in a moment. I do want to plug the podcast from last week. I had Harrison Fagan on to talk about Rajon Rondo. I had Eric Horn on to talk about Daniel Gallinari. Also had Tyler Jones on for a two-part spectacle at the end of last week. That was a lot of fun there. Tyler had a couple of rants that people seem to enjoy. So if you missed that podcast, check it out. Please subscribe to the show and all of that fun stuff. Before we dive into the news, I want to tell you about our sponsors on today's podcast. And the first sponsor is Built Bar. I've been telling you for a long time that Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, and that is still very much the case, but also the new and improved Built Bar is even more delicious. The original flavors are fantastic and they continue to be so, but now there are 18 amazing flavors to choose from, including new selections like caramel brownie, lemon almond cheesecake, and and of course my personal favorite, and cookies and cream. Each bar is covered in 100% chocolate, and they're all soft and easy to chew, which is also very important to point out. And from there, I should remind you that Built Bar is also fantastic. For those of us trying to be health conscious, you can maintain or even lose weight while still enjoying something that's absolutely delicious. Bars are low calorie, high protein, low sugar, and high fiber. And Built Bar is even great if you're on the keto diet with all the nutrients you need. And again, a taste that puts other competitors in the space to absolute shame. In order to check it all out, BuiltBar.com is the place to go. Yes, it's BuiltBar.com right now and use the promo code LOCKEDON when you get there. When you visit BuiltBar.com and use that promo code, you'll get 20% off your next order with Built Bar. One more time, that is BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off your next order. Check it all out at BuiltBar.com and try Built Bar today. So on the news front, there was not a ton that was earth-shattering over the weekend. There was media availabilities from the Hawks for the last few days, including when I was talking to Tyler on the last podcast on Thursday and Friday. Atlanta did announce its official training camp roster late last week, and the Hawks are one of only a few teams in the league that did not invite anyone that was not already under contract with the team. The roster is at 15, which is the full amount for the regular season, as well as the two two-way contracts for Nathan Knight and Skylar Mays. As a note, as a reminder, I should say, Solomon Hill is the only player on a non-guaranteed deal. Brandon Goodwin's deal is now guaranteed. Um, Sunday was an off-court day for the Hawks. They gathered, though, still around the facility and had a, quote, maintenance day, end quote. That was the way that Lloyd Pierce put it. They were practicing in full, though, on Friday and Saturday. I had that wrong, by the way, as a mea culpa on that. Uh, I thought they, that they couldn't practice until, until Sunday. The, the league announced that Sunday was the first day for team workouts. But there was a provision if teams got everyone in the facility early enough for testing that allowed the Hawks to start on Friday along with a couple other teams in the league. So there you go on that. A small edge for the Hawks, potentially. Uh, Chris Dunn spoke to me for the first time over the weekend. Talked a lot about his defense, his impact on the end of the floor, and that backs up all the comments from basically everybody else about his defense being elite. I would agree with that, by the way. Uh, Dunn is doing some work, by the way, on the court, but he's not clear for contact just yet. That's something to monitor at this point in time as a reminder The Hawks announced that he had an MRI on November 24th that revealed a cartilage disruption, is the way they put that, in his right knee. And Dunn is a guy who has been battling knee issues for quite some time now. That knee cost cost him the end of last season. Everyone does seem to be upbeat about his knee and all the status about that, but he's not contact um, cleared so far at this point in time. 
Elsewhere on the roster, Lloyd Pierce lauded Brandon Goodwin, the Hawks' young point guard, saying that he, quote, looks like a monster out there, end quote. That's positive news for a guy that I continue to like as a developmental prospect. Also, with that said, Pierce did admit that, that he let Goodwin know that there wasn't, wasn't really a path to playing time for him with everybody healthy. He did charge him with making guys like Trey Young and Rajon Rondo better in practice all while staying ready and reminding him that he actually won a couple games for the Hawks last year on his own almost, which I would agree with. Pierce said that all 17 guys have, quote, participated in some form of practice, end quote. That's good news for guys like Tony Snell and Anyake Kongwu, who also had injury updates from last week. Snell, by the way, said that his injury um, happened in, during an individual workout during the offseason. He sprained his left ankle originally and then had an issue flare up with his right foot out of compensation for favoring that left ankle. And also, both Snell and Dunn seem pretty excited about Atlanta's weather compared to their previous stops. Dunn was in Minnesota and Chicago before this, and Snell played like places like Milwaukee and Detroit, so no surprises there. Lots of focus on defense over the weekend from everybody, especially Pierce as the focus of the first couple of days of practice. And uh, some good stuff on leadership from Rondo and Solomon Hill. I talked a little bit about Rondo's availability last week on the podcast with Tyler, but Hill was generally fantastic in speaking to the media for the first time over the weekend. He's obviously embracing that veteran role, that leadership role for the Hawks. He has a little bit of extra juice right now as well because he was a member of the Heat from last year and made, made their run to the finals. He was a, uh, a nice, solid part of that team. So he's definitely a locker room favorite already, it seems like. That backs up everything that I've already been hearing off the court stuff around Solomon Hill for quite some time. By the way, uh, one final note here on the... I guess the media angle the last few days. Cam Reddish said that he uh, grew, quote, maybe a little bit, end quote, when he asked about the uh, the story that was out there about him growing from his trainer on The Athletic. And uh, he did say that he can't tell that he's grown and he's, quote, not out here at seven foot now, end quote. But that was a pretty interesting sort of uh, segment there. I would recommend the uh, the full audio is available. I'm not going to drop it into the channel, but there's a couple places. I know Jamila Johnson over at ATL Hawks fans drops in a lot of those full um, full, those full videos on her YouTube channel. So check, check that stuff out as well. If you are a true diehard that wants to watch all kinds of video stuff from the media availabilities, I will share some of those as we get going through the season. But uh, right now, too much clutter to drop them all in this feed. But alas, there you go on that. And we press on. No availability on Sunday, but they'll, they'll get back to it on Monday, I'm sure. And uh, by the way, as a reminder... The Hawks play a basketball game later on this week. That's a reminder. Again, I say one more time. The Hawks play a basketball game later on this week with a home game on Friday. So plenty to get to in the coming days. Uh, before we get to the NBA's COVID protocols and some schedule notes from the release on Friday, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast. So the NBA released an updated breakdown of the health, health and safety protocols over the weekend. The headliner is that players and staff in the top tiers of testing and such can be disciplined for, quote, failure or release to comply, end quote, with the protocols. And that discipline can include warnings, fines, or even suspensions for those players or staff. Teams can be punished for failure to comply and or the reporting, sorry, the failure to report violations. It would potentially take a lot, but there is language in there as well about enhanced discipline, and that would include fine suspensions, adjustment, or loss of draft picks, and or being forced to forfeit games if you have some real protocol violations. Also, the specifics released on players and staff are going to be um, sort of required to act on the road. That stuff's kind of out there now as well. Players can only leave the hotel for a few specific things, including outdoor dining and, quote, fully privatized room dining, end quote, in restaurants. They can't go to bars or clubs or lounges or entertainment venues, public gyms, spas, or pools, or gather indoors with more than 15 people at a time. 
There's also language in there about what happens if a vaccine is available with negotiations to come on whether players will actually be required to take it. That's going to be up in the air when that actually comes down the road. This is not official at this point in time, but Sean Serrani of The Athletic reported the league is aiming for a March 25th trade deadline. That's the only date that's not officially announced right now, but that's the latest on that. There are some good deep dives around there on the internet. You can find the entire um, COVID protocol if you want to. It's 100 plus pages long, but some interesting developments in the update that was released over the weekend. On the Hawks front, though, the schedule release was the big headline event of the weekend that actually came out on Friday afternoon. Um, We knew this part already, but there were 72 games, of course. Every team in the conference would be played three times, and then out of conference, two times each. The league only released the first half of the schedule. That covered either 37 or 38 games for each team. The Hawks have 37 games scheduled right now. Um, that, that includes 17 home games and 20 road games in the regular season so far. And then part two will be released sometime later on. The schedule begins with a pretty soft nine-game stretch for the Hawks, and it gets difficult from there. So the season opener in Chicago is just 17 days from when I'm recording this on the 23rd of December. And that's the Chris Dunn revenge game as well with the Bulls playing host to the Hawks on the road. The first two games on the road, and then the Hawks come back for a home opener against the Detroit Pistons on December 28th. No Christmas game for the Hawks this time around. Not a huge surprise, but there you go on that. The first nine games are Chicago, Memphis, Detroit, Brooklyn twice, Cleveland, New York, and Charlotte twice. Brooklyn is tough, of course. There are a couple of road games in there as well. Brooklyn's pretty good. Um, and that's actually, by the way, over New Year's Eve. And uh, that's a tough uh, it's a tough one if you're an NBA player that cannot go out. But I'm sure. But there you go on that. Um, there is some justified concern that it might take some time to iron out rotations for this Hawks team. Um, this is a team that has a lot of new moving parts. But it's probably a good thing through that lens that the Hawks have a pretty soft, easy schedule uh, in the early going. From there, though, it gets pretty tough around the middle of January and goes on for about a month after that. So... In the middle of January, after that opening after that opening run of nine games, the Hawks play the Sixers, the Suns, the Jazz, and the Blazers, who were all projected playoff teams. Then a little bit of a rest, a, sort of a respite with the Wolves, the Pistons, and the Wolves again. One of those is around MLK Day, by the way. And then a pretty much a gauntlet schedule from that point forward for a couple weeks. You have the Bucks, the Clippers, the Nets, the Wizards, who are competing with the Hawks. The Lakers, the Mavs, the Jazz, the Raptors, the Mavs again, the Spurs, and the Pacers. Those are all playoff teams with the exception of potentially of Washington. Then you have a favorable favorable game against the Knicks, but then you have the Celtics twice and the Nuggets. So a really, really tough stretch there for Atlanta. We will learn a lot about the Hawks during that month or so from mid-January to mid-February. So circle that one if you want to learn more about this team. Um, some schedule some schedule notes to get to here. The Hawks are only one of the four teams in the league with only 17 home games in the first half. So they'll have a lot more in the second half, of course. Um, they do not go to California at all in the first half of the season. The Lakers and Clippers come to Atlanta, but no games at all against some teams from the West, like the Kings and the Pelicans. Those will all be set for after the first half is over. And so we'll have to wait for the Bogdanovich revenge game of Sacramento. Um, also, the Hawks have seven back-to-backs. That's about league average for the first half of the, of the season. People were worried about this. I, I get it. It sounds like a lot, honestly, but the schedule is very, very compressed for every team in the league. That was always going to be the case with the new uh, timeline for this season. There's just not a lot. There's just not a long, a long enough time frame to play 72 games with the same level of rest that you normally would with that standard 82 game season. So everybody's speeding up. It isn't just the Hawks. They're about league average again with seven back to backs. Keep that in mind as well. There's only one true national TV game in the first half. That is one of the two matchups against the Mavs in February. That isn't a huge surprise that they only got one. That's an ESPN game, by the way, against Dallas. And given the attention on the Trey Luka battle, the Mavs are the most logical team in a lot of ways for the Hawks to have on ESPN. But 
Um, you know, people are, people are upset about this. I, I totally get it. People were asking about that as well. It's, it's not what you want if you're the Hawks, probably. They do have three NBA, T, NBA TV games, including MLK Day against the, against the Wolves, but they're near the, near the bottom of the league and, and lack of a national TV game so far. Obviously, you know, people are upset about that. I, I think people are not properly understanding that the Hawks are improved this year and they're honestly going to be, going to be fun to watch. I should point out that the Hawks didn't ever have many national, t- national TV games, even when they were good in the uh, t- in the 2010s. So it isn't all about winning. It is kind of a buzz thing. But at the same time, the Hawks have more buzz now with Trey Young than they probably had then, with the exception of the 2014-15 season. But regardless, we'll see what happens. If the Hawks play well in the first half, they can certainly get more in the second half. And the play of Trey Young will certainly dra- attract some more, some more attention to this team. So I understand the outrage. I really do. We'll see if they get more in the future. But that's the latest on that. And then the last thing that I want to get to on this shortened edition of the podcast um, on a Monday is that there was some reporting out there about Bogdanovich that came out over the weekend. Nothing bad for the Hawks, but some noteworthy stuff people were asking me about, so I want to address it real quickly. Sam Emick of The Athletic reported the Hawks were, quote, concerned they, may not la- that m- they might not land Bogdanovich in large part because of what had taken place before the offer sheet had been signed, end quote. That, of course, refers to the madness with the Bucks that was out there, all the crazy reporting about the sign-in trade with Milwaukee and Sacramento, etc. And by the way, I would encourage you to read the entire the entire AMIC report if you're interested in that, that entire saga and the way that it played out. But from the Hawks' standpoint, AMIC reported that the Hawks offered the Kings the 2022 OKC-protected first-round pick. Um, later, after the piece came out, he updated the piece, saying that the offer was actually the Hawks sending that, that pick and Tony Snell's $12.1 million expiring contract in a sign-and-trade to Sacramento. Uh, it's important to point out that the, the Kings did not know what the Hawks' offer was to Bogdanovich. There was some mystery there, uh, and smartly so, for Atlanta. Also, Travis Schlenk reportedly gave the Kings exactly one hour to examine the offer. Sacramento asked, reportedly, for, quote, some of, the, some of Atlanta's young players, end quote, and the Hawks said no to that, which is not a surprise. And then Amick did report that there is a, quote, strong reason to believe the Hawks would have done the deal without Snell, end quote. But that was not discussed per the reporting that was out there from the Athletics. So basically, it worked out great for the Hawks because they got McDonough without having to trade anything away. Um, the OKC pick definitely is not this incredible asset. At the same time, it's still an asset. I know it'll be, it probably will become two second-round picks instead of a first-round pick, but those are potentially two pretty decent second-round picks. And regardless, that's the Hawks' only extra first-round pick right now. So having to keep that, at least getting to keep that, is better than not having to keep it at all. So that's a plus for Atlanta. On the Kings' side, it would be criminally bad to not take the pick by itself and then get nothing from Bogdanovich, which seemed to happen in some ways. The generous way to describe that would be Sacramento decided to not have Snell, basically. They chose to not have Snell in that pick. Even then, if I was the Kings, I would have taken Snell and that pick um, rather than just doing nothing whatsoever. Um, but it's at least defensible that, that, that they wouldn't want Snell. If the pick was available without Snell, it would be pretty bad for the, for the Kings. But regardless, I've said this a lot. Um, in my mind, again, I think the Kings should have matched. I said that on the podcast, and I will say it again now. The Kings should have matched. But... Um, Benefits the Hawks quite obviously, and they get um, they get they get the player for you know not I almost said for free uh, for the for the price of the contract and nothing else, which is a good thing. Um, still a lot of money and a player option, etc. But there you go on that. Um, yeah, that's the last thing that I will probably talk about on that offer sheet front, unless we get something crazy. But that was out there. People were asking me to address it, so there you go on that. Worked out very well for the Hawks. Okay, that'll do it for today. As a reminder, though, the Hawks again play a basketball game 
on Friday of this week. The Magic come to town for preseason game. I am planning to be in the building for that. We'll have plenty of coverage on that and much, much more. If you're a new listener to the podcast, I will just remind you that we do a podcast basically after every game. Occasionally, there'll be a like a back-to-back on a weekend, and I might compare, I might pair those two together. But for the most part, I do a podcast recap of the game after every game, including on the weekend. So stay tuned for all of that. That will include Friday. That'll be that'll be the Friday show this week. And as a general rule, I try to do four or five podcasts a week. Um, maybe even more than that occasionally if there's an emergency, but minimum four for the most part, and then max five, six. We'll see how that goes. But that's the plan for now. We'll have three or four before the game on Friday, and then Friday's Friday post game, and then Sunday another game. That'll be Monday show, and we'll go from there. So please subscribe to the podcast. Please tell your friends about the show. We'll have some long um, some longer content midweek this week. I have a guest that I'm planning to come on for a two-part episode. And again, a reminder, we had three guests last week, Eric Horn, Harrison Fagan, Tower Jones, all fun interviews, all lo- a little bit longer. So if you missed any of those previously, catch up now and tell your friends about them. Subscribe, and we'll see you next time.